Well, good morning, Orangewood. It's good to be with you, and thank you, Joe Creech, so much. I do remember and never forget sharing that trailer with you. Um, uh, always working so hard, and uh, what, a, what a privilege it was. I, I thought you'd been here years before I got here, and uh, you knew what was going on, because I certainly didn't. Uh, but uh, what a privilege to, uh, to, to partner with uh, the, the church, the elders, the staff, uh, for men, we're looking forward to this a great time after Easter, and I want to invite you to uh, stand up out there in the patio, 10-minute meeting in two weeks, uh, March 26th after church, where we kind of cast the vision a little bit, and love to have all you guys join us. Multi-generational movement of men mentoring men, building on what Joe's done here for 20 years, and uh, what a privilege to be a part of that. Well, it is great to be able to... Uh, Read God's Word with you. Will you stand with me as we read God's Holy Word? <clears throat> and we stand in honor of the God of the universe, and we listen to His Holy Word as we uh, continue to study uh, in, in this series uh, as we look at the Lord's Prayer. So here it is. This is God's Holy Word. Our living Lord Jesus Christ teaches His disciples to pray. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. This is God's holy word to us. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you that you, as a supreme king of heaven and earth, have revealed to us your glory. We know through what you've made, through the prophets that you've sent, but preeminently through our risen Savior, Jesus Christ, who you are, that you are good and powerful and glorious. And so today we bow uh, in your presence, and we ask that by your spirit you would teach us your word. So we pray for the one who teaches, that you'd forgive him his sins and use one who is finite to communicate your infinite truth, that we could be your people wherever we are, for we pray in your strong and holy name, Lord Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Well, it is a, a privilege to be here. And yes, you know, as parents, and I saw that you are having this parenting class that's coming up on Sunday morning. Uh, and yes, it is a privilege for us to grow as parents, uh, as we see and learn from our own children. I am my daughter's father in many respects. Uh, we are our father's children in many respects and how important it is as we look in this series, Kingdom Come, in the Lord's Prayer. And by the way, if you're with us for the first time, we're so glad you're here. Uh, we love that you're here. Go back and watch the messages online to kind of catch you up and bring you up to speed uh, of what we're building on today. Pastor Tyler talked last week about the reality that we are jumping into a new segment of the Lord's Prayer. We're talking uh, about a segment in the Lord's Prayer where we're talking more about our needs, where we come to God asking Him to meet 
our needs. And last week he talked about, give us this day our daily bread. Hey, listen, I, I, hope, I hope the time change didn't mess you up and you had breakfast today. Uh, I, I, never, I have friends who sometimes say to me when I meet them for a lunch appointment, they say, hey, I'm hungry, I forgot to have breakfast. You forgot to have breakfast? I forgot to eat. I, I don't understand that. I need my, my, my daily bread at least three times a day. And, and the reality is I need that. But we're, we're going to be talking about something that we all need, but that is very difficult to get and sometimes even more difficult to give to somebody else. Forgiveness. That's what we're going to be talking That's our focus for today. And it's such a powerful topic today. Let Catch this, to be unforgiving or unforgiven is exhausting and it's discouraging. If you are a person in a relationship with somebody else and you don't feel forgiven by that person, it is an exhausting place to be, isn't it? Because you're always trying to prove that you got what it takes when they don't believe that you do. On the other hand, it's also true that if you are an unforgiving person, you are a discouraging and an exhausting person to be around. Would you agree with me on that? Well, sort of you have to, because it's true. It is so true, this issue of forgiveness is such a big issue. I only have two goals for this message today. Number one, I want those of us who have been following Christ for a long time uh, to, to leave this place feeling more forgiven today than when you came in. So that's goal number one, that you will feel more forgiven today than maybe you felt in a long time. The second goal is this, that you will begin the process of forgiving the most difficult person in your life. All right, take a second. Who is that? No nudging. No calling out names. But those are the only two goals that I have today, and I really think that the Lord wants us as well to work on this. Quite frankly, I have so many verses to cover today, I don't know if I'll be able to get it done in time. Well, actually, it's not the number of verses, is it? It's the bigness of the subject. Because if we were, if we're to talk about forgiveness, isn't that the central thing, the central theme, the central reality of Christianity? of being put into a right relationship with the God of the universe and then being able to be put in a right relationship with each other. Forgiveness is such a big subject that I can only say that this topic of, of getting and giving forgiveness today is going to be a primer. I'm only going to get us started on it. And I'll promise I'll have you out of here by 2.30. Well, we're going to deal with it, but uh, there's a lot to deal with here. I love the Lord's Prayer. I really do. I pray it every day. And I love what uh, British pastor J.C. Ryle said of the Lord's Prayer back in 1856. He said this, No part of Scripture is so full and so simple at the same time as this. It is the first prayer which we learned to offer up when we were little children. Here is its simplicity. It contains the germ of everything which the most advanced saint can desire. Here is its fullness. And then he says this, the more we ponder every word it contains, the more we shall feel, feel this prayer of God. And I believe Jesus gave us this prayer that we would not just hear it or mindlessly recite it, but as Pastor Tyler has been teaching us, to deeply experience it. This is a weighty prayer 
Great for kids and great for those of us who have been Christians since the time of the Apostle Paul. This is so important. Al Mohler wrote a book on, on this, the Lord's Prayer. It's called uh, The Prayer That Turns the World Upside Down. The Prayer, the Lord's Prayer as a Manifesto for Revolution. And boy, is he right. Could you imagine what it would be like if every one of us as, as Christians felt deeply forgiven all of the time and were at the same time deeply forgiving to everybody in our core network of relationships. Revolutionary. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And, and, and then he goes on. Uh, if you do not forgive others their trespasses, you won't be forgiven. If you do forgive, you will be forgiven. All right, you ready? Buckle up. Here we go. Let's get some clarity. This is my longest point uh, today. So if you're looking at your watch as I'm teaching, you say, wait, this is not a balanced point. I know. I taught my seminary students to have balanced points. Split it up. This is not going to be balanced today. But we need to get some clarity on, on the prayers of this prayer. So, so in particular, who were the prayers of this prayer, the Lord's Prayer, the disciples' prayer? Well, it's us, right? It's Christians. It's those who have come to believe that Jesus Christ is who he said he is, the Messiah. He is the Son of God and Savior of sinners. He is the one who has come to reconcile us with God the Father. And so the prayers of the Lord's Prayer are, 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 are us, family. This is the family prayer. And we have come to believe that Jesus Christ is very God a very God. That he is no less than the eternal Son of God who has come and taken us our, our place on the cross. And so this morning as we think about forgiveness, I want to ask you a quick question. Why are you here? Because we have two strikes against us, don't we? I mean, it's spring break and time change. This is, by the way, this is a great Sunday to invite a guest speaker to come to your church. It's a great, it's a great, but my question is, why in the world are you here? It's not because of the donuts or the coffee, and those are great reasons, right? But that's not why you're here. You're here because you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and Savior of sinners, your Savior in particular, right? And you want to worship him, and you want to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's why you're here. That's why you, you get three free sins just for being here today on this, I want you to know. But that's why you're here. That's why I'm here. So this prayer is not the sinner's prayer. This is not the prayer of entry into the kingdom of God. This is the prayer of continuance in the kingdom of God. This is not the prayer for justification by faith alone. This is the prayer of sanctification by faith uh, through grace. That's, that's what this is. This is for all of us. And listen, skeptics don't pray our Father who art in heaven. Hallowed. They don't pray at all, hardly. They only pray when things go bad, when they get rear-ended or, or get in an accident. Then they pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done. This is what we pray because we are God's beloved children. All right, now having said that, um, I, I, I want us to, 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 to think about who we pray to, our Father who art in heaven, but is he here too? And all God's people say, Absolutely. God is sovereign. He is everywhere. He is imminent here as well as fully present in heaven. He fills all of space. And so the reality is when we pray our Father who art in heaven, what you think about God is the most important thing about you. 
A.W. Tozer said that. And that's so true. Uh, guys, from time to time at Forge, we do have special speakers. And Richard Pratt came and spoke to us a few uh, weeks ago on the Lord's Prayer, interestingly enough. And uh, as he was speaking, he got up there and he said, you know, when I became a grandfather, Richard Pratt does not look like a grandfather. I look like a grandfather. He doesn't look like a grandfather. But he said, when I became a grandfather, uh, he said, all I wanted was for my grandchildren to love me. And I'm, I'm listening to him with rapt attention. And he said, if my grandchildren wanted one, I gave them two. If they wanted three, I gave them five. And then he said, now, that all changes when they get older. Then they'd stop caring about you as the grandfather and loving you. But I was sitting there listening to him. I thought, man, I thought I was the only one that thought that way. I just want my grandkids to love me. But the reality is, is sometimes when we think about God, we do think about him as the grandfather who just simply wants to be loved. And when we think of God that way, we can't pray the Lord's Prayer. Because as Pratt said, the reality is, is every image that we have of God in the Old Testament is, is, is in Isaiah 6, for instance, or in the book of Revelation, where peals of thunder are taking place all around him, where lightning is coming from his throne, where the Bible says our God is a consuming fire. He's not the old grandfather in the sky. And so as we pray this prayer, it's important for us as people to understand uh, that, that we're praying to this God who is holy, holy, holy. And so let's get a little more clarity. If we're forgiven, if you're forgiven, why confess your sins? Why in the Lord's Prayer, if you already are forgiven, past, present, and future, why confess your sins? Why should I confess my sins? Why does Jesus want this as a regular part? of our daily life. Well, because God is still holy and because I still sin. Because God is still holy and because we still sin. He is holy, 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 and we still sin. And that's why this prayer is so simple for the new Christian, but fully relevant for those of us who have been following Christ for a very long time. And it was mentioned earlier uh, the, 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 by Jack. And by the way, the worship this morning fit perfectly everything that we needed to talk about today on forgiveness. Jack and his worship team did it again. Fantastic. But he talked about the prodigal son, and, and I would love to know all of the stories. And I've known a lot of stories from a lot of different men, a lot of different couples. They sit down in my office and say, Pete, you're not going to believe this, what I'm going to tell you. I said, no, I'll believe it. Because we've heard it all. And many of them are stories of the prodigals. Remember when you were a prodigal? Some of you go, that's a long time ago. I hardly remember that. But, but when we came to faith in Christ, we were prodigals. We were doing all kinds of stuff. We were doing our own thing. And, and, we, and we were brought to the end of ourselves. And we saw that it didn't work. And God brought us to the end of ourselves and brought us to Christ. And then, and then we become followers of Christ, and if we're not careful, we become like the older brother, right, in time. See, prodigals sometimes become the older brothers, and all of us have had that experience, I think. We become a little arrogant. I don't do that anymore. I see the younger Christian. I said, I used to do that, but I don't do that anymore. I'm a pastor. I'm six feet above contradiction. People come to me, and they say, pray for me, because God listens to you more than he listens to me. 
That's not true, by the way, but people think that, and we can get, start think, accepting that. But the reality is, is as we walk with Christ, we go from prodigals sometimes to becoming the elder brothers who are arrogant and self-righteous. And, and, and we all need to confess because God is still holy and because I sin. Listen, when I say to you that I'm still a sinner, you're, you want to know some details, don't you? I mean, you'd like, give me, okay, be specific. Listen, I don't go out and sin publicly because I know too many people. I've been in this city too long. I can't go out and sin publicly. People come up and say, hey, pastor, how you doing? I go, good. Who are you? Comes with age and comes with longevity. But I want you to know that the longer I walk with Christ, I see that I am a sinner more than I saw when I first started following him. It's not the overt acts. It's the heart. I've cleaned up the external. It's the heart. And the more I read the word, the more I interact, the more I hear my own thoughts, I say sometimes, that's awful. And so, forgive me my sins. Forgive me my debts, as I forgive my debtors. And that applies to us at every age. Now notice what he says here about sin. Notice what he calls sins. Let's say it together. He calls sins in the text that I read this morning. What does he call it? It calls it debts. Okay, how many of you were raised with saying, forgive us our trespasses? Raise your hand. Okay, those trespassers up there. How many of you were raised saying debts? Less. We got more trespassers than debtors here. That's. I was raised saying. I guess if you were raised a Baptist, you were raised uh, uh, with the debt. And if you're Episcopalian, Presbyterian, or others, you said trespasses. There are five words for sin in the New Testament. Here they are: hamartia, the word of missing the mark, probably the most common word in the New Testament. And then paraptoma, often translated trespass, almost the idea of sort of slipping into sin, the unintentional sins. Then there's the parabasis, stepping across the line, going beyond the limits trans, uh, prescribed by God, transgressions. Then there's the word anemia, which means sort of that rebellion, that I knew I shouldn't have done it, but I did it anyway. How many will admit to ever committing anemia? Okay, I see, good, I see some big hands up there. Yeah, you went up real quick, that's great. And then there's the word here, the word here, aphelma, aphelma, which is the word translated dead. It probably comes from the Aramaic word that Jesus probably used. Jesus spoke Aramaic, which was a derivative of Hebrew and, and, and probably the best Greek word to convey the idea of hoba, or the Aramaic word for debt, is the word uh, aphelma, which is translated debt. And so when... Yeah, I mean, we all know about financial debt. Wouldn't it be nice if tomorrow morning you got an email from your mortgage company? You know that 200000 bucks you still owe on your home? Hey, we forgive that. Yeah, this is a good day. It's not going to happen, but it would be a good day. The IRS, April 15th, it's coming. The IRS says, hey, you know your debt? Hey, we forgive it. Not going to happen. They're going to hire 86000 more, I think, to come after people <laughs> like you and me. When a person robs a bank or steals a car, they have a debt to society, 
right? And the same thing is true when it comes to our spirits, even as Christians, when we sin, there's a debt. We incur a debt with God. Can we pay that debt? We've all learned what? No, we can't pay it. And so Jesus paid the debt. He took our curse. He paid the debt to God. He gave us his righteousness freely. Uh, and, and so we are forgiven. But we pray, forgive us our debts because we've been forgiven, right? And we keep running back to him because unfortunately we still sin. Let me still tell you this, it's very important. Your self-identification is not that you're a sinner. Your self-identification as a Christian is that you are the deeply beloved, redeemed daughter of the Most High God. Or men, you are the deeply beloved and redeemed son of the Most High God. That's your new identity in Christ. But we still sin. And so we confess. Um, now notice what he says, forgive us our debts as we also, what? Have forgiven others. So he puts it in the past tense that we've already, so as we come to God to ask forgiveness for our daily sins because God is still holy and we're still, we still sin, the reality is is we are forgivers. And Colossians 3 says the same thing. It says this, in the body of Christ, we bear with one another, forgive each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, as the Lord forgive you, so also should you forgive. And so here's this truth that is so profound that there is a direct correlation between being forgiven and forgiving. Uh, being forgiven and forgiving. There's, it, the gospel produces that kind of a connection in disciples. And that's why he wants us to pray this often, because we struggle with this. Uh, and we'll talk about that in just a minute. One, recently, I, I spoke at a, a friend's church, uh, and uh, I was speaking to his men, and he introduced me. And said some things that later, he came up to me, three days later, he came up and said, I want to confess, uh, I, I'm say, I want to say I'm sorry for what I said when I introduced you. And uh, I stepped back and I go, what would you say? He reminded me. And Now, between you and me, number one, I work with guys a lot. We speak the male love language of shame and abuse. What he said to me was fully deserved and nothing that my other brothers say to me about me all the time. So it's no big deal. But he knew his motives. He knew what motivated him to say what he said. He's been following Christ for a long time. And so, and so he came to me to ask forgiveness for something that the Holy Spirit obviously convicted him that it didn't come from a good place. Was that a good thing? Oh, yeah. Yeah. My esteem of him went way up. And what did I do? Did I forgive him? Of course. Because I'm really spiritual. <laughs> no, no, because, because that was no big deal. That was really an easy thing to forgive. But I loved his sensitivity. Students, listen to me for a second. Students, one of the things I want, I love you guys. I love you, you younger followers of Christ um, and students, learn to forgive early in life. Start young, becoming a great forgiver. Letting God forgive you of your sins and becoming a great forgiver because you're going to need it. Trust me on that. Your friends are going to tick you off. Your pastors are going to tick you off. Your parents are 
they tick you off all the time. The reality is, is the younger we are, we need to learn to become better forgivers because if not, we will become angry and bitter about everything and everybody. And it will affect us in our lives in a big way. And so this is such an important command for us. By the way, every Sunday we have a song, don't we, of confession, right? Now why is that? Because Sunday morning is the only time we confess our sins and ask for forgiveness? No. This is a reminder. This is a reminder every Sunday that being forgiven and forgiving is what people who have been saved by grace through faith alone in Christ do. It has a connection. All right, so more clarity on this real quick. Uh, this is uh, teaching that we're to ask for forgiveness and give forgiveness to other people. This clears up a major thing that we get, a question that always comes up. Let me ask you the question. Steve Brown and I get it all the time in the Q&A on the radio. Here's the question. Will Christians reach total sanctification, Christ-likeness in this life? Answer, of course not. Why else would he call us to confess our sins? 1 John 3, 2 says, when we see him, then we'll be like him. Not until then. So, no, and if you have that position on total sanctification in this life, you can just get rid of it today. That's all right. That's a good thing. All right, now listen, one other clarity, and this is probably the most controversial, but in reality, it's probably the most simplistic. I, I'm fully aware of time. You say, I got two more points. I told you. I told you this in advance. Hang in there. Uh, the last point of clarity on this is verse 14. If you forgive others your trespasses, then what? You'll be forgiven. If you don't, then what? You won't be forgiven. Who, who are the prayers of this prayer? Christians. People who've been forgiven. And that's why I think that we need to go with those commentators and thinkers down through the history of the church, including those in the ESV study Bible. It's always good to be on the same side of the ESV study Bible. Uh, many, many scholars help us understand that this is not saying that if you struggle to forgive someone, you've lost your salvation or you will lose your salvation. What this is more dealing with, and I know the language is difficult, F.F. Bruce, uh, my favorite Old Testament and New Testament scholar, called this uh, a very hard saying of Jesus. It is. But what he's getting at is how this destroys our fellowship with God if we are not forgiving people. And, and how it seems like, God, where are you? Question. Do you feel very far from God? Could it be that there is someone in your life that you are stalled at forgiving. That's what these verses are about. So clarity, the prayers of this prayer are Christians. Secondly, I want you to know the reality, real quick, and, and this, is, this is wrap up, this is application. Uh, the reality is that because of the prayer, prayers of this prayer, we're often forgiveness forgetters. We often, as God's people, forget to receive God's forgiveness for us and give it to other people. We often are forgiveness forgetters. 
which is crazy, but it is so true. Uh, and, and there are many reasons for that. Why, why do we sometimes forget to receive the forgiveness of God? Why do some of us come to church feeling guilty all the time? Well, it could be that uh, we all struggle with sin, and there are embedded sins in our life that are harder to get rid of than others. I'm not going to have anybody raise their hand. And you're going, thank you. But don't we all struggle with what commentators used to call besetting sins? Some sins that are harder to grow through and get over. And sometimes in our besetting sins, uh, we, we think, uh, okay, God can't forgive. I've committed that so many times. He can't forgive me. He won't forgive me. And we can often get to that point of unforgiveness. Deep wounds keep us from receiving forgiveness and giving it to others. Some of you have been wounded so much in your life. You were shamed so deeply in your life that you know in your head that God can love you, but in your heart you don't really believe it. And because you don't believe that you could ever really be fully forgiven or loved or worthy, it's hard for you to forgive other people as, as well. Uh, sometimes we try to get our identity from other people. If you do that, that's, that's, that's a dead project, isn't it? Students, again, don't try to get your identity from your friends because they'll always let you down. You've got to get it from your Savior who can tell you that you're forgiven, that you're worthy because he loves you and for what he's done for you. Some people have a temperament that's difficult to forgive. You know who you are, you deeply melancholy type people? You're harder on yourself than you, you're harder on yourself than anybody in your, in, in your world. And so you say, listen, I'm harder on me than I am on you, so I'm going to tell you what I think. So there's many reasons why we, we, we in reality, we don't feel forgiven and we don't pass it on to others. I'm sure there are more reasons than I've brought up. Practicality, last point. How do the prayers of this prayer get and give forgiveness and application? Two, two real simple ideas here as we get ready to head out is for us to think about this prayer that our Lord has taught us to pray and to think practically how do... You see, you can only forgive once you've been forgiven. And then you can only forgive to the extent to which you've been forgiven. And so what we must do daily as Christians, uh, at the beginning of the day, what I call our daily appointment with God, I've got to meet with God and, and, and do honest business with Him and remember who I am before Him. Father, here I am. I did this this morning. Because of the time change, I got up a little earlier. Lord, here I am. I'm your son. I love you. You love me first. But here I am in all of my messiness. You know what I've learned? I've learned that the safest person in the universe is the God who sent his son for you. That he is the one that you can tell everything. He already knows anyway. And that as you just lay out your messiness, your impatience, your lust, your unforgiveness, your demandingness, I don't know what your sins are, they're very much like mine. We lay that out, here I am. And Jesus, you paid for them all. And I want you to continue to work in my life, Lord. Forgive me, but help me to remember today that Jesus, 
your sacrifice was enough. And I want you to know it took a lot of years to get what I knew theologically from my head into my heart and into my everyday practice. Years and years into being the pastor of Willow Creek Church before I could begin to feel that what God said to me was true so that I could delight in being his deeply beloved son. Do that. How do you get that forgiveness? By praying daily for him, to him, in this way, uh, in your journal, uh, anyway, being honest with who you are and receiving his forgiveness, preaching the gospel to yourself every day. And then going from there and isolating that person who is the most difficult person to forgive and starting that process. Understanding that you have been forgiven so much. My de See, debt, debt, people whose debts have been forgiven forgive debts of others. That's just the way it goes. And if you want freedom in your life, if you want, if you want greater freedom, you will enter the process. Let me give you a truth about forgiveness. You ready? Forgiveness is a point in time and it's a continual action. It's a point in time and a continual action. I've been a pastor since the time of, the, of Paul. I told you this. And when, when people come to me and they say, hey, pastor, this is what happened. I go, whoa, I can't believe that. Wow. And they say, yeah, but I forgave him. I forgave him. You know what I say? I say, good start. Because forgiveness Forgiveness is a point in time, and it's a continual action. And nobody I know, including myself, has ever forgiven somebody who hurt me deeply right away. And I'm going to tell you this. I don't have a very thick, a thin skin. I, I, I mean, I do. I have a thick skin. I, I don't have a thin skin. I've been a pastor for a long time, but a few years ago, a guy I've known for 25 years hurt me deeply. And I never thought I'd get over it. For two years, I said, Father, I forgive him. Take him to heaven right now. <laughs> I forgive him. And then he, he said, son, you haven't forgiven him. You're, it's a good start. The deeper you've been wounded, the longer it will take. But the more you engage with God's grace, forgiveness of you the more he will launch you into the freedom of forgiveness for others. What a great place it is to be. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. That is the free Christian life. You take it to heart. Let's pray. Father, Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for the joy that comes from being your children. Thank you that you can forgive us even those sins that we can't talk about with other people. And we pray as we leave this place today that we would feel your forgiveness at a deep, deep level and then pass it on. Be honored and glorified as we pray these things in the strong name of our risen Savior, Jesus. Amen.